If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. Today's show is a vast break in format for us. If you listen to Just Not Sports, you know that we love to break down what athletes like off the field. And we, we love to cover all the weird random stuff that they do away from sports. Their rap albums, their movies, their businesses. Uh, whatever they do that we find interesting. But we also work in sports, and so we have an interesting viewpoint to some of the things that happen behind the scenes. And what we've noticed is a lot of women in sports, women reporters especially, are taking horrifying verbal abuse online. Sometimes this is daily. Sometimes this is horrific. Sometimes it's not as bad. Sometimes it's isolated incidents. It's a very murky, very non-black and white area that a lot of women are forced to deal with. And what we thought was, let's have a discussion about it. Let's continue the dialogue that a lot of women have come forward and tried to start. And let's do our part to learn a little bit more about what they're going through and maybe how the average sports fan uh, can try to better help. So today we're going to talk to Julie DeCaro a Chicago broadcaster and columnist who has become a very outspoken critic of online harassment and therefore has become the target of some of the worst harassment you have ever heard. We'll get into that in a second. And then we'll also talk to Sports on Earth's Andrea Hankst, who opens up about some less visible ways the culture of harassment has impacted sports reporters from uh, maybe self-censorship to avoid uh, bringing on problems or or the perils of ignoring uh, trolls as opposed to engaging them. I'm going to warn you right now, this episode will contain very frank discussions about women being harassed. It will include profanity, sometimes very extreme language, F words, C words. We're including that because that's what's happening. That's reality. We're not trying to shock you. We are trying to say, this is shocking. It's happening. And here's what is, is being said. And then, you know, we're going to, maybe we'll bleep some of it. Maybe we won't. We're still debating that. Um, I would say if you, if you're, if you're offended by this topic, this is probably not for you, but if you're offended by this topic, I would encourage you to keep listening because maybe hearing the people talk about what they're facing might be eye-opening as well. So with that, I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. Uh, not joining us right now, but you'll hear from them later, are our two co-hosts, uh, Adam Willard, a longtime sports media strategist who's worked for everyone from the University of Colorado to the Green Bay Packers to many global sports brands. Uh, not with us on the podcast this week, Gareth Hughes, our Emmy-winning sports producer in Brooklyn, uh, but he was very involved behind the scenes. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Also with us, producer, editor, host, inquisitor, Joe Reed. Joe, how are you? I'm doing very well. It's good to be here. This is... Uh, is it good to be here? This is a painful topic, and no, it was painful uh, for you many times. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I've been thinking of this episode as like a special edition, but it's kind of... Uh, it's like we're paying special attention, but we shouldn't shouldn't be special attention. It should be everyday attention. It should be, you know, out in, out in the sunlight more, I, which I think what we're doing. We're bringing attention to a topic that is a little weird and not a, little, a lot of people talk about or know about. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know a lot about it, so... Yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to talk about it. And I don't want to. I don't want everyone to think this is a very special episode, like where Will Smith gets shot at an ATM and Fresh Prince, and we all learn about gun control or or something like that. 
this is not going to be tears and people freaking out. Okay. What we're trying to do is talk about something that happens online. And, and here's a little bit about where this came from. Mm-hmm. Um, a few weeks ago, I was, you know, doing my thing at night on Twitter, just hunting around. We do a lot of like looking for, well, that sounded terrible. I'm on Twitter hunting around, <laughs> hunting around, looking for ladies. No, I'm on Twitter looking for potential guests. I do this a lot. Like all we do is talk to, you know, athletes about uh, and, and sports media about what they do away from sports. And I just was looking around and ran into a reporter, Julie DeCaro, who last year had been an advocate for this issue of women, you know, and, and harassment, online harassment, because of the treatment she got after reporting on Patrick Kane and his sexual assault uh, case. Mm-hmm. So I had read her column in Sports Illustrated that she'd written. Uh, it was very bold, very courageous. And I was kind of surprised to see that she was still sort of retweeting and interacting with trolls who were just giving it, giving terrible comments to her, like horrible profanity. We created a video that we titled More Than Mean because we live in a world of funny, mean tweets and people thinking it's, it's, you know, it's fun to be self-deprecating and read this stuff out loud. So we put a twist on it. We asked real guys to sit down and read real comments made to women online to their faces and to see what it would be like. And it starts off kind of funny, like a mean tweets video and it ends, it takes a vicious turn when, you know, it goes from, I don't like your writing to fuck you cunt and I'm going to rape you or I hope you get raped again. And to see the guy struggling with this is something that I I don't know that has been, you know, captured uh, among sports fans. You know, I think the insight is most people, most decent human beings would never say this type of stuff. Um, to, uh, you know, to another human being, let alone a, a woman reporter just doing her job. Uh, the culture of sports can get very, you know, there's a fine line between hot takes and harassment. And when does the, the dialogue and the debate become something more sinister than just I'm telling a reporter to stick it. So I think we wanted to highlight what these, what these women are going through and what it would really sound like to actually say these things out loud. I think we get numb to it just reading it. And instead, sometimes what we need to do is be reminded that uh, these are words that are much harder to have to say to someone's face than to type into your, your keyboard. So what I would tell people to do is go to our Twitter, at Just Not Sports. Go to our website, justnotsports.com, if you want to watch the video. Uh, share it online with hashtag more than mean, because uh, we're trying to spread the word that you know some of these tweets aren't just mean tweets, they're harassment. And we just encourage people to have a dialogue. We're not trying to solve this. We're not co-opting the issue. We don't have answers. We are just trying to continue the debate so that women sports reporters who are facing this type of harassment know that people care and they're interested in how we can help. And we're interested in figuring out how we can make the uh, very vast cesspool of the anonymous internet uh, a little bit less sessy and a little bit more pooly. <laughs> Joe, you were one of our people. I did not share yeah. what you were going to say. You came into the room cold. Tell us what you had to say to Julie and how you experienced it. It was definitely uncomfortable. Yeah, we had talked about the idea, and I knew sort of what you're describing, the basic gist. Um, but there's something about reading something to their face. Um, you know, in the video, you see a lot of guys apologizing on behalf of of the words that are being said. They're not my <laughs> words. I didn't write yeah. them. I would I would never write that online. I would never say it to someone in person. But there's power in in getting it out loud and hearing it come out of your mouth and seeing the person's reaction. And 
you know, and then talking with the women afterwards and hearing, oh, this is a daily occurrence. This is, um, you know, the day after taping, Julie sends us more screen grabs, you know, two hours after she leaves the studio for filming, there are guys on Twitter calling her, you know, God knows what. And it's just an unbelievable thing that they're going through. Um, yeah. Here, let me break this down for people. Yeah. It was uncomfortable. For uh, me. This is the day after we filmed this with Julie DeCaro. DeCaro. Sorry, I keep mispronouncing. She's going to kill me. DeCaro. Okay. Here's, what she, here's what she sends us. Bitch, you want to get re-raped like that other bitch? I'll put dick all in your ass, bitch, and down your mouth, hoe. You want to go through what she went through? Mind your biz. And then uh, my personal favorite, which is tough, because that's, that's like the thriller album of horrifying tweets to send somebody. Next time I'm in Chicago, you got a problem, fat fuck ass bitch. Yeah. So the timing could not have been more perfect on that. Walking <laughs> out of the studio, she checks right. her phone, and that's what she sees. And I said to her, I can't believe this. And she said, you know, yay Wednesday. Right, it's and it, insane. So that's the thing I want to I want to educate people about who are listening to this show today. This is not about a couple dudes co-opting this issue. This is not about a couple guys solving this issue, telling the women how how they have to feel about it. This is intellectual curiosity. We're curious about what's going on. The reason we did the video was because we, our insight was most guys would probably never say anything resembling this type of language to a woman or a professional to their face, mm -hmm. to anyone to their face. So why do we either say it on Twitter or see it on Twitter or on comment boards and allow it to happen? And I, and I, I don't know that there's a lot of answers other than just sports are a heated topic. It feels fun. It feels frivolous, but it can also feel very serious. And what I think people lose in, in these, these verbal you know, sparring matches they have is the sense that there's a, a human being on the other side of, of, of your, you know, of your computer screen. Yeah. And so that's all this is about. It's just humanizing the issue, continuing the dialogue. And hopefully, you know, guys like you and me and Adam and Gareth and anyone listening will just learn a lot about what's going on. And, and we can just continue talking about it until we find better ways to deal with it. Totally agree. All right. We're going to get back with our first interview, a revealing talk with Julie DeCaro of Chicago 670 The Score and CBSChicago.com about the vicious harassment she faces on a nightly basis. Stick around. The Just Not Sports Gang is here with Julie DeCaro. I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, you did. Okay, one for one. And today we had the opportunity to sit together for four hours and just say the worst, most rotten things <laughs> to you. I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all we have put you through, and um, you were an amazing sport. It was fine. That's not fine. This is terrible. Well, it's. I mean, I know it didn't come from you guys, so it right. wasn't. It was easier to take. Well, I have yeah. a lot of burner accounts on Twitter, so we all don't know <laughs> where. Let's not get into where things came from. You know what I mean? And a Hotmail account. <laughs> yes, uh, primarily Hotmail and AOL. So, where this all started? So, for the people who don't know, we have um, <clears throat> shared on social media uh, a video piece that goes into detail about a lot of the 
I'm going to use air quotes, mean tweets that are sent to uh, women reporters, uh, especially sports reporters like yourself, day in, day out. And it, what I think we tried to highlight was that these are not mean tweets. They are harassment. And they're, they're sent to you guys, the worst types of things, C-words, B-words, F-bombs, uh, threats. And I think what we want to do today is just talk a little bit about why this is happening and, and get from you a little bit more perspective on how you're dealing, how women like you are dealing with it in the industry. And what, what can the people who are sensible do to engage with you guys on this and if there's even a path? So let me start this. Where this came from was we all saw your piece in Sports Illustrated. I think it right. was last fall, correct? Yes. Can you kind of talk about what the origins of that and where, um, where that spun out of? Why, why did you started this national conversation about this topic? Um, you know, it actually happened because I was pitching a bunch of stories to the Cauldron at SI where I write and and basically had just gotten frustrated with the I'd been frustrated that day with getting a bunch of tweets that were just horrible. And I was frustrated with not being able to have a pitch that was accepted until finally I said something like, Why don't I just write about what it's like to be a woman on the internet right now when you're trying to report sports? And they were like, We love it. So um I was really surprised because I thought that some of the, the the tweets I'd pulled out and the stuff I was talking about, I think the the first sentence in that piece I talk about the first time anyone ever called me a cunt, and I thought there's no way Sports Illustrated is going to go with the story. They're going to say it's too blue, it's too offensive, and they're going to shut it down. But they didn't. They left every single tweet I put in. They left every single sentence I put in, and um, I really didn't expect it to sort of blow up the way it did, but. Afterwards, I heard from so many women in not just in sports media, but in media across the board talking about how they'd experienced the same things and that, you know, none of us really know what to do about it. So that was that was sort of the origin. Yeah. And it was a it was a bold piece. Uh, we appreciate that you didn't pull any punches. You know, people don't pull punches on Twitter. They don't pull no, punches don't. on Reddit. <laughs> um, that stuff is there. And, you know, prepping for this piece. Uh, if you if you're listening from the uh, from my office's uh, IT department, <laughs> I'm sorry for my recent Google searches as I was <laughs> trying to pull up some of these uh, some of these tweets. They're horrific, and there are threats of sexual violence. And I think one of the things one of the constant refrains that we hear um, in social media around it is, "Well, it just comes with the territory, man. Like right. you got to grow thicker skin." But how do you deal with being called a cunt, being called a bitch, being threatened with uh, rape? Um, can you describe the, the efforts you've made to ignore this or to deal with this? And, and what do you think when people say, just get over it, it's part of the job? Yeah, I think that the thing that you always hear is just ignore the trolls. They just want attention. Um, you know, and if you ignore them, they'll go away, which is absolutely untrue because different trolls have different motivations. So you've got some guys who just want attention, but you've also got guys who feel that you're a fraud and they're going to expose you for who you are. And you've got guys who want to um, ruin your career and guys who want to destroy your reputation. And, and I say guys, but there are women involved sometimes too. Um, you know, and a lot of these guys, if you ignore them, they just amp up their behavior because they want to get a reaction out of you. Mm -hmm. So you know, there really is no good strategy as far as I know for dealing with them. Um, and as far as telling people, you know, that it just comes with the territory, I don't think that anyone that has been in the situation that some women reporters have been in have any idea what they're talking about. Right. Because absolutely no one should have to put up with this stuff uh, at all, much less on a daily basis. Um, you know, when you take a job, no one says to you, okay, people are going to threaten you with rape and they're probably gonna threaten you with murder and suggest ways <laughs> that you should be killed but that just comes with it man just yeah. get used to it you know i mean and it, it's insane and ridiculous that we say that to anyone 
Well, our producer Joe, that's how we got him on the, <laughs> onto the show. We're that's like, absolutely true. Joe is quickly it. became a target, as usual. Julie, <laughs> uh, what's the, to you, I think the another way that these bullies, uh, online predators try to protect this type of behavior is by saying that they are entitled to their free speech. But we know that hate speech is not protected. Why is hate speech on Twitter not persecuted in the same way that it would be in real life. Yeah, we've got this crazy idea about the First Amendment and that it protects you from saying whatever you want, which, first of all, is not true. I mean, we do have time, place, and manner restrictions in this country. You can't go into a theater and yell fire and then say it's your First Amendment right. First Amendment applies to what the government can censor you for. It doesn't apply to what you say on Twitter, and it certainly doesn't you know, apply to people calling you out for what you say, which is another thing they, that these trolls always resort to, like... I've resorted most of the time to putting these people on blast because it's the most effective thing I found. And then they get upset, like, oh, your followers are all attacking me. And, you know, I'm sort of like, I'm sorry. Do you not like being yelled at by strangers? I wouldn't know anything about how that feels. Um, the First Amendment, you know, the government can't put you in jail for what you say, with certain exceptions. And, and But, you know, Twitter can shut you down. And Twitter followers can call you an idiot and tell you you're stupid, um, you know, and to shut up and they can harass you into closing down your account. I mean, Twitter's shown that they're not going to do anything when that happens. So, you know, First Amendment really doesn't come into play and neither does kind of the sob story when someone puts you on blast and then a bunch of, you know, people come after you and tell you you're a horrible person. But because even though it is on Twitter, just as in real life, uh, you can't, uh, I mean, it's essentially a, a hate crime. In, in a verbal sense, isn't that, can't you police that somehow? I, I feel like law enforcement is just so far behind everyone else when it comes to this kind of stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. I know that during Gamergate, women were, you know, being doxxed and being swatted and were reporting it to the police who kept saying, well, it's online, though. It's not real. And, you know, it is real, especially if you're required to be on Twitter as part of your job. If I wasn't on Twitter, I couldn't do my job. There are, you know, teams break trade news online. Um, if you're not following Adam Schefter Adam, or Ian Rappaport, you know, you can't do your job if you're not following Peter Gammons. So, you know, for people saying, you know, just get off Twitter or, you know, for, for Twitter to say there's no way to police it or the police saying it's not real life. It, it's it, it just makes everything so, so much harder if they treated it like they treat stalking and harassment, quote unquote, in real life. You know, things may start to change. But as of right now, no one's shown any impetus to want to do that. Do you remember the first time this happened to you? Yeah. I had written, it was, the, it was the time I wrote about my own rape. Um, and I wrote about it during the Jameis Winston trial, or not during the trial, during the Jameis Winston incident, um, because people were saying online that um, it's, you can tell she wasn't raped because she did this the next day. You can tell she wasn't raped because Gee. she did this. You know, she talked to him, she texted him, she did this. Um, and, and my whole point was to say, unless you've been in that situation, you can't talk about what a rape victim should or shouldn't do. Because I've said many times, I had a very friendly conversation with my rapist the next night. We hung out at a party. We laughed. We joked. Um, you never would have thought in a million years that he had raped me. Uh, and that that's when I discovered FSU Twitter, which is kind of yucky. And, and that went on for some time. But, you know, I wasn't working in sports media at the time, so it wasn't the level that it was um, once I got into radio. And what happened once you got into radio? 
Um, you know, I think that you're, a, you know, anytime you're in media and where more people have access to you, you're definitely a bigger target, especially for women. I think that there's a lot of guys who still feel that women have no place in sports and they want to show you that this isn't a safe place for you. So whether it's hitting you on the text line during your show or tweeting at you or sending you emails telling you how much you suck and how bad you are, it's sort of something that, you know, you just kind of get used to, I guess. Um, but during the, when, after Patrick Kane was accused of rape, I was covering that and I had sources um, inside the investigation and very close to the investigation who were telling me information that I was tweeting out and I was trying to, you know, inform people as to what was going on. And in their Blackhawks, there's a really ugly underbelly. I think of probably any fan base, but Blackhawks fans, um, some of them were extremely abusive and harassing and the harassment hasn't stopped. I mean, this was August and we're in April and it's still going on on a daily basis. So, Real quick, I just want to, for our listeners, she's not just saying, oh, it's abusive and they're saying like, you're dumb, you're bad at your job. They're calling you a cunt. They're calling you a bitch. They're calling you a whore. They're saying, I hope you get raped again. They're saying, um, Threatening your life. And yeah, they're, 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 someone sent a picture, right? Like, you... Yeah, someone took a picture of, I don't typically go in the front door of my building. There's a different door I go in. And someone took a picture of the entrance to my building where I go in every day and sent it to me on Twitter. Wow. And, you know, and part of you is like, that's crazy. You know, this is stupid. He's an internet tough guy. Don't let it rattle you. But on the other hand, you think someone physically took the time to go to my office to take that picture and to send it to me and create an anonymous account and to send it to me. So what else are they willing to do? Right. You don't know what kind of line they'll cross. Right. You never know who that one person is going to be. And that's kind of scary. I think what's interesting is you, you mentioned putting dudes on blast. <laughs> and so... That's transitioning from I'm ignoring it or I'm going to tune you out to, okay, you're going to call me a bitch. I'm going to retweet you and I'm going to say, look at this guy. Um, talk about your transition to that mode where you are, I think, shining a light on the people who are quietly sort of subtweeting you terrible stuff. Yeah. I wrote a follow-up piece to my Sports Illustrated piece about not being able to ignore the trolls. And a part of it, I think a lot of it for me comes from the idea of just wanting to say to like other sane people, are you seeing this? Do you see this? Like, this is not okay, right? I'm not crazy, right? This is not what should be happening. So I decided, you know, in some days I'm really kind of done about it and other days I just can't handle it. I put everybody on blast. The problem with putting people on blast is that it turns off a lot of people. People say, I don't follow you just to watch you put dudes on blast all day. But um, I really feel like, especially if they have their real name and or, you know, what looks like a real name and their photo there, that they deserve to sort of be called out for this stuff. You shouldn't be able to call a woman a cunt and then have your avatar of you and your two-year-old daughter. I mean, that, that drives right, me absolutely yeah. crazy. Um and I think I see a lot less abuse on Twitter or on Facebook, and I think it's because people have to put their real name and their picture next to it, and I think that makes a difference. Um, you have a family, husband yeah. and children, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's their reaction to this? Um, you know, my husband is really... I think he's more done with it than I am just because it affects how I am when I come home. So if I have a particularly bad day where a lot of people have been sort of at me and calling me names and saying horrible things to me, I go home and, and I'm not the person that I usually am. I sort of lock myself away and all I want to do is like, you know, watch River Monsters or something and just sort of like shut the world out. And I think that's really frustrating for him because he feels like there's nothing he can do 
but he still kind of gets the brunt of it because, you know, I'm not going to like flip out and yell at everybody at work, right? I'm going to save it till I get home and then yell at the people who you know you can yell at without, mm -hmm. you know, having them, you know, tell you where to go. So, um, I, you know, I, I think he's he's mostly just frustrated by it and, and feels like he wants to be protective but doesn't know how to protect me. And my kids um, aren't nearly as concerned <laughs> like we're at the mm -hmm. age where a lot of things just sort of goes over them. right right but they're they're very careful about what they say on social media my oldest son he the first day he was on instagram he joined a bunch of guys in the first day he got his phone he set up an instagram account and he and a bunch of guys were talking about demi lovato being fat and i took the phone away and i was like we'll try again in a month so i mean i look at all their social media stuff i look at their friends social media accounts i look to see what they're saying to each other because if they were saying it in front of me to someone's face i would nip it in the bud and i don't want them to be able to do it online either and they know i'm watching so they're like terrified stepping out of the line speaking of saying things in person as has have you ever had uh I have have a hard time keep calling them fans, but Twitter users. Yeah, real fans. These are uh, hardcore fans. Have you ever had a Twitter user or uh, someone confront you in person? Never. For this type of comment. Never. And I just started doing appearances again for my radio station. So um, the first couple times I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone's going to show up. You know, especially since there's a couple really dedicated trolls who these guys literally spend their entire day talking about me back and forth and tweeting at me and and sending borderline abusive comments that Twitter won't really do anything about. But I mean, this is literally how they spend like eight hours every day. And I wondered if some of them were going to show up. And, and if they have, they didn't make themselves known to me. So, Julie, it seems like a weird thing to think about that you might have to be sort of courageous uh, or maybe for any of us to think about that you have to be like courageous when you're writing a piece about a particular sports team. Mm -hmm. Maybe because in the back of your mind, you have like, I am familiar with fan base X and how they feel about player Y and they're going to reach out to me. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about not only the maybe personal impact it has, but like just the professional one. I can't imagine even just going into the office and like, what am I going to cover this week, this month? It just, I don't know. I just can't even wrap my head around like how it impacts every aspect of what you do. Yeah, it definitely has a chilling effect on the things you decide to write about. I mean, there have been some stories I would have liked to have written about, but I just have been like, I'm not going to touch that with a 10 foot pole because yeah. sometimes you're just too exhausted to deal with it. And I said, you know, there was a, a case, there was a, a story recently and I'm trying to remember what it was, but I didn't write about it and a bunch of other people did. And I was so relieved because I'm like, I don't want to have to be the person to write about this story mm -hmm. because it is going to get me killed. And seeing a whole bunch of other people step up and write about it and feel like I didn't have to be the one to bring it up. I didn't have to be the one to cover it, that I could sort of take a break. And, you know, it's horrible to see other people get abused. But in a weird way, it's kind of a relief for, for once it wasn't me. So um, it, it does affect what I write about and it affects how I write. And it affects the things that I um, that I cover and the leads that I chase down. Yeah. So what... Um you you had also sort of recounted your first time experiencing this. What do you say to the young intern or reporter who's new in your office, who has mm -hmm. you know five hundred Twitter followers and is just starting out in this profession? Or what did people say to you, maybe like who are you know this is coming down the line if you're in this business long enough? Like how do how do you help them deal with that? Yeah, I I talk to a lot of college students who are in media or in me, you know broadcast media programs and. I almost don't know what to say to them. I always try to tell the girls, like, you have to have a really thick skin. Mm -hmm. Like, just start working on it now. And you have to have confidence in yourself. 
Um, but part of the reason I, I do, I've sort of like taken on the fight is because I can do it at my age. Like I have enough confidence now in myself. I have enough faith in my abilities and my friends to stand up for me if I need them in my family that I can take it on. If this had happened to me when I was 22, I, I, I don't know what would have happened. Like, I think I would have yeah. completely fallen apart, mm. but I think that, you know, as you get older, you get stronger and I feel, and I know a lot of women in media feel this way, that the, those of us who are a little bit older can take on this fight for the younger girls who may not be able to handle it yet. Look, I think the three of us um, and our other co-host, Gareth, we would all say we're, we admire you coming forward. Because when, the, the, when you speak out, everybody's going to pile on. So you, you're inviting yeah. more criticism, more of this, that kind of stuff. And they linger way longer than the news cycle, which we'll get into in a second. That said... Let me read you some tweets back that, you, that you've posted. Some days it's really hard not to get depressed about Twitter, especially when blocking does nothing, absolutely nothing. Trolls on Twitter see you get mad, and it fuels them. They don't see when you cry. I wonder if they'd feel the same. So I just wonder, when I look at you, I see this is a strong woman standing up for what she believes in. And yet, I think there are still times when this must really eat at you. Can you, can you, can you describe to the people listening or the people you know, who might see the video online. How, how do the, emo if the emotions are like this for you, as, as someone who is speaking out, what must they be like for the introverted woman reporter who is, um, who is struggling for the first time with it, or, or, or just anybody who has to deal with this kind of garbage? Yeah, I think there's a couple of different ways to handle it. I mean, I feel like there's the women who push back on it, um, and there's a lot of us. And I feel like there's also women who sort of, just keep their heads down and do their work and just sort of have made the decision to take it. And, and that's, that's tough, but I'm not a person. I mean, I do get upset and there's days when I cry because I don't know how you can have so many people saying to you every day, you know, how, just telling you how, how awful they think you are every single day. And, you know, the thing that people don't talk about is that you know, death threats are horrible. People invoking rape is horrible, but equally horrible are the tweets that you get all day long saying you're ugly, you're stupid, you made this mistake on the air, you made that mistake, I don't know how you got your job, you must be sleeping with your boss, you're totally not qualified, they only hired you because you're a woman. And, and the thing is that no matter what you say, you're not gonna change their mind. And they're putting it out there to the general public as if it's fact, and there's people that are gonna read it and people that are gonna believe it, and there's absolutely nothing you can say to change their mind or tell them that it's not true. And to me, that is so frustrating and so mm -hmm. unfair. And that's really what gets me. If you wanna tell me, you know, that you think I'm stupid or that I have horrible hot takes or that you think I suck at my job or or you said, you know, Laquan treadmill when you said went Laquan treadwell, you know, I mean, <laughs> whatever. Like, I, I mean, I can take that. I'm a big girl. But there is just sort of this daily slog of getting through people just telling you how much you suck that is really hard to take after a while. It's exhausting. But Julie, focus on the positive. Right, focus on the positive. Yeah, yeah. Just the thing is that there is a lot of positive. Like for every yeah. troll out there, I probably have a hundred tweets telling me how great they think I am. But for some reason, those don't stick with you the way the bad ones do. Right, and then look, first of all, if there's an athlete named Treadmill, I'm buying that jersey, I don't care who, I don't care if he's playing for the Steelers or Ravens or what. Secondly, that's the reason why we did this video. I think, if you remember that Jimmy Fallon did a funny video when um, Robinson Cano came back to New York and he had people, New York Yankees fans, be like, hey, what do you, he's playing with the Mariners tonight in New York for the first time since he left the team. What do you have to say to him? And they'd look into the camera and they'd be like, oh, screw you, buddy. And then he came out from behind him and they all turned around and they shook his hand and they said, like, yeah. great to see you. We, we looked at 
you online and the stuff you were dealing with, and we were like, I bet it'd be totally different if any any human male had to read this type of stuff to their face. So we sat down with you today. We're at One Tree Forest Films here in Chicago. Great, uh, uh, longtime collaborator of a lot of us um, who work on the show. And we, we had real guys read real tweets and, and comments and message board posts that had been delivered to you and other women reporters. All real. Um, and to see what their reactions are. What was it like to sit there for, you were a hero, four hours of just sit, you know <laughs> hearing the C word and all this other stuff lobbied at you. What was it like to sit there and, and to, to deal with with that over and over. It was really awkward. Um, it wasn't so <laughs> And I not was, just because Joe had never said the C word until today. I honestly <laughs> don't think I had. I, it, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not a bad thing. You're like apologizing. Sorry, guys, I haven't said That's why uh, I kind of hesitated. I don't, what do you You've lived a do? good life, Joe. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> really, yeah. I'm pr- that's something to be proud of. It actually was kind of amusing to see how uncomfortable it made men to say it because, right. um, I don't know, I think that when you read it, it you get you become so inured to it that it's just... It's just another person calling me a cunt on Twitter. But when you see, when you when a guy actually has to say it to your face, A, it's weird to hear it out loud. Um, I don't think anyone's ever called me that to my face in my entire life. But then it sort of restored my faith in humanity to see how uncomfortable it made guys have to say it. Because I think that if you look at, if you look only at Twitter, or only at Facebook or Reddit or whatever, you sort of get the impression that this is the way guys talk to women. And it's really not. And it was kind of nice to be reminded of that, that there's a lot of guys out there who would never in their wildest dreams talk to a woman this way. So what was it like? You sat down with Adam. Yeah. Uh, I was out of the room for that, picking up pizzas. <laughs> and what, was, what, was, what was it like uh, uh, to, to see Adam kind of processing and struggling with some of these lines. Adam was amazing. I wanted to like <laughs> interrupt and like let him off the hook because he see, did you have tears in your eyes at one point? Uh, I'm it tearing was, up now. I, it yeah, was, it's as uncomfortable as I knew it would be. It's, it's as I think that's the whole point to verbalize those things, to yeah. put them in a sentence and have to look someone in the eye. And, and to clarify, these guys had not seen, you know, yeah. we had the production team kind of pull all the tweets. We were reading them cold. So the reactions you see in the piece are somebody for the first time thinking like, oh, it's a mean tweets video, haha, just like late night. And instead it's like, I'm sitting next to a woman I barely met, I'm calling her <laughs> a cunt. Yeah, um, right. you finish. Julie, it's weird to see you right now, roll your eyes and be like, oh, it's just another person calling me this on Twitter. And my thought is just take the last two words off, not on Twitter. That's such a weird thing to have someone say. Yeah. Just It's just another person calling me a cunt. Who says that? Like that's—it's right. just a weird reality. I don't well, know. It's yeah, just kind it, of a you're it's a weird scene. Now you're getting too loose so, with the word. I know. Yeah. 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 Word, I'm sorry. Slim it down, Joe. Come on. Be so nonchalant about it. I've had guys in sports media who are also on Twitter all day long just say to me, "Julie, just keep in mind it's not real life. I'm like it is, it real, is real life. life. It's my yeah, life, exactly. and like it's being yeah. affected like on a daily basis. And and it, it sucks that we draw that distinction that if it happens online, it's not really real. And, and that's not the case. It, it is real. And it's you know if someone could call you on the phone and say it you don't say oh it's not real it's just a phone and hang it up you know it's it's the same kind of thing back to the reactions you got yeah i mean I, I think my reaction is it got harder and harder for me i think there was other guys who read through it but there were there was nervous laughter or um long pauses were you surprised by the variety of reactions that you that yeah. you received yeah, 
I mean, I actually, I, I totally responded to the nervous laughter. I thought that was a, just a really genuine response. I do the same thing. Like when I get nervous, I start making jokes and laughing. And, and so that didn't surprise me at all. Joe is just so adorably uncomfortable. I, I felt like I needed to stop and like give him a hug halfway through. Um, it was funny because <laughs> just, it was like, yeah. you guys were saying, reading these horrible tweets to me, but I felt like I had to comfort you guys because you guys were so upset. And so um, it was kind well, of that's, a, a that's funny the lesson. table turning. That's the lesson. Yeah. The guys are the victims here. I'm gonna go home and cry. <laughs> this is a terrible idea, Brad. Do you want me to make you a sandwich? <laughs> Look, uh, to close out, what there are normal there are normal people listening to this. What, what this is the hard part for us. Like, what do you want people to do about this? Not just know about it, not just see it. Is there anything we can do to help? I don't know. I get asked this question all the time. I mean, I think that, you know, mass reportings to Twitter or mass putting people on blast maybe to try to draw attention to it. Um, I had a guy the other night who, I can't remember what he was saying to me. It, it was just like, oh, you just need to shut the fuck up, like just out of the blue, because I was I made a joke about something. And um, I put him on blast and then he was, he was like, I'm just, I'm just having a good time. I was just bored. It was just a joke. And he totally like backtracked and, and maybe he'll stop. Maybe he won't do that next time or he'll think about it before he does it next time because it embarrassed him. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess call people out or send a message of support to the women when you see it happening. And the other thing is women, if you have a husband or a boyfriend who talks this way to women online, stop him. Like, I have so many women that, that just have no idea what their boyfriend or husband, the way they talk to women online. And every time I see a guy calling me names and he has, like, his smiling girlfriend or whatever in the picture, I just want to be, like, go to her and be like, run. Do you not see the way this guy is talking to women? That's not okay. It's not cool. Or... Just as importantly, if you're a guy and you have a friend who participates in this and brags about it at the bar, that's somebody's, uh, that's somebody's daughter. Right. Yeah. I mean, or if they're saying it to anyone, male right. or female, like, in what world is that okay? And in, in sports, it doesn't matter. It's sports. It's yeah. fun. It's supposed to be fun. Um, and look, people are going to ask us, why, why are we doing this? You know, it's not our fight. We get it. Um, I think the answer that I would say would be, you know, we work in media and we deal with reporters all the time. So we have a lot of empathy for you guys and what you have to deal with. And we also have a lot of visibility. We see, we follow you guys. We see what you have to deal with. And also we understand the news cycle. I was so impressed you came out and a lot of other women have followed suit and, and tried and look, go it's, it's, and it's broader. It's Gamergate. It's a lot of other things that have happened in the last year. Um, people are, 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 have come forward. And there's a big spike in, in coverage, and then the spike goes away, and people move on, and they say, well, that's an old story, that's old news. You check out your Twitter feed, you check out the Twitter feed of a lot of other women in, in media. It's, it's not old news. It is a new story every day. It's new threats, it's new bullshit, it's new stuff that's being sent to you that has no business being sent to you. And so I, we encourage people to watch the video, encourage people to go follow you on Twitter, um, at Julie DeCaro, um, and I think... Keep understanding that this is a real problem that is persisting and demand that we in media keep talking about it. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, Julie. Thanks, Julie.
Joining us now on the show is Andrea Hengst. Andrea is a talented NFL reporter whose writing has appeared on Sports on Earth, Bleacher Report, Scout.com, and many other places. Like many women who cover sports, Andrea thinks the topic of online harassment is a critical issue. But it's also an issue that is not one size fits all. Every woman has a different situation, a different way of handling harassment, and sometimes different methods to try and avoid it altogether. So Andrea, we appreciate you coming on the show to discuss this topic. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I guess where I want to start is, how do you define harassment? This is something we've been talking to several women who cover sports, uh, who work in sports about. Where is the line drawn between the expected banter, dialogue, um, divisiveness that comes from a sports debate and what could be described as something more sinister, something that would be better described as harassment? I think where you where you switch over from debate or disagreement to harassment is when you start getting in the, the ad hominem attacks, where you're starting to attack somebody personally, uh, you know, talking about their appearance or you know, something as, as simple or, or perhaps innocuous seeming as you're stupid as compared to I disagree with you. Once you start getting into the personal attack level of disagreement, then it goes from just having a discussion where, you know, maybe, you know, you, you just differ of opinion and maybe one person, one side is more passionate about their defending their opinion and then getting into actually attacking or antagonizing someone. What is the and, and that's a good point, because I do think that the debate gets there pretty quickly in sports in general. You know, I think that we in this, not just mm-hmm. blaming the hot take culture, but I think look at sports fans arguing in the bar, arguing in the, in the stands. It, it does, it does turn up the, you know, turn up the intensity very quickly. So as a, as a reporter, um, how much do you have to callous yourself to that? And how much are you aware of, of the line when you're interacting with, with fans who, who might be on the more, I guess you could say who might be preconditioned to be wanting to have an argument or a debate or or get personal um, because of the nature of the way we argue about sports in general. Right. Uh, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, sports is a is it, it's very individual. It's very personal. Your rooting right. interests. You you really you know fans really latch onto that. And then on the other side of that coin. When you talk about what fan is short for, it's fanatic. So obviously you're going to get some heated opinions, and that's completely fine. I mean, if I'm talking about who I think that the Browns are going to draft second overall and somebody disagrees and we get into a long conversation about it, that's great. But it's just this point, and you can you can kind of see it. You can kind of catch the tone once you it, – it, it's hard to explain, but, like, you can kind of catch the tone of somebody who's disagreeing with you where you know that this could go in a in a nasty way. And, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, when you kind of have that gut feeling that ends up being what happens, they're not looking to debate that they're looking for a fight. And there's a difference between, you know, defending one's opinion and being, you know, kind of aggressive and hostile in it. And you can see it in just the certain language choices. And I know that there's certain nuances of tone and things that are lost when you're talking about communication over the Internet, over text, things like that. But you can kind of see where that's coming from. Uh, in, ter- in terms of hostility. And the, the uh, convenient thing about a, uh, a platform like Twitter, for example, is if you kind of question somebody's motives when they're coming at you uh, and trying to argue with you or, or maybe trying to you know, take it to this next more aggressive level, you can go through their timeline. Who are they interacting with? Are they going after other journalists, other female journalists? Does it turn ugly? Does, do they say horrible things and say, okay, I know, you know, what this person's end game is and how, how they're really trying to engage with someone. Mm-hmm. 
Andrea, how often uh, do you run into these hostile situations? It seems um, every day on Twitter uh, there's bullying and and hate speech happening. Um, Do you run into it on a regular basis? Uh, In terms of it being directed at me, uh, I'm kind of fortunate in the sense that I don't. Uh, get as much harassment as a lot of of, of my my counterparts in sports media. Uh, partially, I attribute that to the fact that I don't have a massive follower account. And the more followers you're going to get, the more you're going to get. You know, you're going to drag in some like negativity in that net, just uh, as the nature of it. Um, but in terms of seeing what my colleagues go through and the fact that they're trying to draw attention to some of these people who are saying completely awful things, when they retweet these people or say, you know, this person is saying this disgusting stuff, seeing what is happening with my colleagues is something that is brought to my attention on a daily basis, usually multiple times a day. And I I kind of take it as a heads up when people retweet people who are tweeting harassing, harassing things at them. I go, okay, perfect. I can now block this person, whether they follow me or not, because they'll never have the opportunity to follow me and they'll never have the opportunity to say anything directly at me. I don't have to deal with it. So it's like, Thanks for the public service announcement. Essentially, this person is not worth anybody's time. <laughs> when it has happened, can you share some of the examples of what kinds of things people have said and, and how, how do you react to those types of comments? Uh, you know, uh, a good example is, uh, you know, I was extensively covering everything that happened with the Baltimore Ravens and Ray Rice. Right. Uh, as I was uh, part of my Bleacher Report at the time and uh, also just something that is going to be important to me regardless of what my beat is in the NFL. Uh, and, you know, you get all kinds of nasty stuff in response to that. You know, uh, you know, terrible language, call somebody a whore, you know, the, the kinds of things that, that so many people, so many women in, in sports media experience all the time. And basically my response to that is, I, you know, unless that there's something couched in there where maybe somebody – seems maybe intelligence, maybe you can kind of engage with them and see where they're coming from. For the most part, I don't want to know where they're coming from. They've kind of spelled it out to me when they say these kinds of things and I don't engage. I don't, I also don't retweet them. It's just not my uh, personal way of dealing with it. I block and I just, you know, try to try to keep it out of my life because if you, if you engage and you, and you take all of that in, I mean, it can be extraordinarily emotionally, physically, professionally draining. And so you have to, for me at least, I have to draw that line where, you know, I can engage or I, you know, and I can, and I'm, you know, I'm obviously upset about these things and blocking people. I don't want to see this stuff, but, you know, in terms of engaging and, 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 uh, you know, retweeting and making things public, that's just not my style because it's just, there's so much, there's so little time that I really want to devote to dwelling on it personally, because I know it's already going to bother me for the rest of the day or the rest right. of the week anyway. And then just keep talking about it or, you know, talking about this person as there's this person coming at me, you know, I'm not, I don't want to keep hammering on the same thing just because for me, you know, it's, it's just that mental health balance. Everybody's got, you know, their, their threshold essentially of, of what they're willing to take on. Right. Is it, is it every time you encounter this kind of verbal violence, is it still shocking to you each time? You know what? It is. It shouldn't be. On on one level, it isn't shocking me because it's the unfortunate status quo of what happens with social media and open internet and, and you know, these open dialogues that you have in, in these, you know, formats like Twitter, uh, in these forums like Twitter, but 
at the same time, it's still shocking because it's incredible the things that people think that they should be able to say to somebody else. These horrible, uh, you know, demeaning, really ugly, mean, violent things. And that there are people who are, you know, just like, okay, yeah, this is fine. This is a totally acceptable thing that I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I'm going to type this out. I'm going to send this to this person. I'm going to, you know, make them feel bad because that's totally acceptable. Uh, and that's what's really surprising to me. And, and what really kind of shocks me is, do so you see all this ugly behavior come out because, you know, the internet makes it easy. Where were these people, you know, in 1988 or in like 1979 that held these beliefs and, you know, who are they talking to? Are they just sending angry letters to newspapers? I just, I just don't understand where all of this comes from. And I think that's what really shocked me the most is how common and pervasive it really is. You know, when we were talking about doing, you know, this interview, you had mentioned something that I really thought mm-hmm. was interesting in that perhaps the, the idea of wanting to not be a target of this type of ongoing harassment may lead certain reporters um, to make choices about what they cover, to be a little bit more selective. Um, so you, as someone who covers the right. league, um, are, when you get ready to cover the Johnny Menzel case, for example, when he's been accused of um, being involved in a domestic violence assault, knowing he's so polarizing anyway, that he draws out all sorts of crazy people from the internet who want to talk about Manziel. Do you hesitate before you write that piece? Do you self-edit on the front end at all? Or do you know of other women who have to do that to avoid the trolls? Yeah, I've I've definitely self-edited. I think that, you know, it was kind of an eye-opening experience with with everything that happened with Ray Rice of just um, the kind of people that will come out and defend somebody who has clearly and obviously done something so disgusting as what Ray Rice did and what Johnny Manziel has been accused of. And not only come out, these people come out and defend uh, you know, these fans or whoever, they come out and defend these players. They come out and defend these players while, you know, you know, being disgusting and saying horrible things and, and, right. and attacking writers. And so I, I wouldn't entirely call it a, a pick your battles kind of thing, um, but more like what works best for you in terms of your level of engagement uh, with, you know, with the knowledge that you say certain things, you're going to attract a certain element. And I definitely... Uh, have been more selective on what I say about what topic and, and, you know, whether it's, whether it's something that adds to the discussion or like, I'm just putting this opinion or this feeling out there that I know is just, you know, in terms of the value of what I'm putting out there versus uh, the attacks that I could receive in response, if they don't out, you know, if, if the former doesn't outweigh the latter, um, I, I, you know, I, I'll fully admit, you know, I do self-censor in that sense. And I think it's just, there are different ways, um, especially for women in this industry to, to, uh, to self-preserve. Um, and there are many different ways, as, you know, as, as we all know, many different approaches to this. And, uh, there, there are many versions of, of self-care and, and, and ways to protect yourself. And so I have, unfortunately, in a sense, uh, found self-censorship to be, a useful tool for me. I say, unfortunately, because I don't want to censor myself. Right. I mean, I'm a journalist, I'm a writer, I have opinions, uh, but at the same time, you know, what's worth it and what's not. And so I, I weigh those choices uh, quite heavily at this point. I think that's so fascinating. And I, I also f- can sense the frustration and I, I, and I empathize a lot in that you're right. You, you why should you have to not um, 
address an issue or, or do a story a certain, uh, you know, a certain time or a certain way or on a certain, certain topic just because of the kind of lingering, impending threat of all that's going to be dumped back at you. And I guess I would, I would ask you, one of the things that, that we, that we find frustrating as, as, you know, men who are, you know, we, we follow sports, but we're not going to call a reporter the C word because she's writing about a topic or she has an opinion. We're not going to harass them online, but yet I feel so powerless in my own way to stop it. I see this stuff online, but like, do I engage? Would that just make them troll my own wife's, you know, Facebook account and send stuff to her? Do, do you have any thoughts on how the, 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 the sane, good sports fan who listens can contribute meaningfully or positively to this environment? Or is there, is there almost a, not any clear cut answer for how to address it? I don't think there's a clear cut answer, but I think there are ways for, uh, you know, male sports fans and male sports writers to support the work of, of female uh, sports journalists, you know, and, and just say, you know, you know, that guy who, you know, tweeted her and say, hey, that guy who was saying that that's completely out of line. I agree with your article or I disagree with your article, but like, I'm not going to say that stuff to you. Like, you know, just just hearing these kind of messages of support, um, not only from sports fans and male sports writers, female sports writers, just hearing it in general when you're getting, you know, you're getting all of these negative messages just kind of inundating you, whether, you know, they're coming directly at you or you're seeing everybody, you know, you're seeing your colleagues deal with it. Just knowing that there are positive uh, voices out there who are very supportive and are just like, hey, you know, I might agree with you or disagree with you, but I'm not going to attack you for it. I think it's a really good thing. Um, You know, and, and because... And in one sense, I, I would say, oh, of course, you know, maybe a man yelling at this other man for being misogynistic and disgusting on Twitter might get other, you know, results. But A, that only just reinforces, you know, well, the men have right. to stand up, stand up for the women. And on the other, like you said, I mean, that doesn't stop them from coming after you or your family members, your wife, your kids or whoever, because you see it all the time. I and mean, you see it happen to men on Twitter as well. I mean, I've, I've seen horrible things written to, you know, tweeted at, at male colleagues of mine for, you know, m- mock drafts they didn't like or something. And <laughs> right. you know, so it's, it's, it's there's, there's no real clear cut solution aside from, you know, being supportive, being aware of these, you know, of what is going on, what female sports writers in particular have to deal with on Twitter and, and in social media and understanding that, you know, this is, you know, not acceptable and, and, and just sort of standing as allies. I mean, even that uh, is, is, is a positive thing. It's just nice to know when you have support. Yeah. And, and the last thing I would say would be most of the reporters I meet who cover sports are totally fine to have the debate. They will engage yeah. and, and have a, a civil debate. I, I don't know why people want to get in this like kind of gross, disgusting last word or maybe threaten people to, to say, no, you're not allowed to debate. And I'm wondering, do, do you still feel like there's a, a somewhat of a pervasive sense from some segment of the male fan bases that says, I don't want to have to debate with you. This, is, this should be a boys club. Or am I overanalyzing there? Oh, I, I think there are certain subsects of that. I've seen that. I've seen, um, you know, my opinions or, or my 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 thoughts on whatever in the NFL or, or other other sports writers kind of dismissed or ignored out of hand. And I think that is something that 
still exists in the sense of, you know, you should be in the kitchen and, and you know, make me a sandwich. Yeah. Women shouldn't even cover football. And I mean, we've heard people who are higher ups in this industry who, who, you know, are former football players, former football coaches who say, well, if you're a woman, you can't really adequately cover the sport because you didn't play it. And people who didn't play the sport or didn't coach or whatever can't cover it. So that's going to be a, a, a constant pervasive thing. I think with all sports, uh, considering it's, you know, professionally speaking, male dominated, uh, you're going to have a lot of that. Well, so-and-so didn't play such and such and you're a woman. So how would you know? And I think that's going to be a, a, a another, and, and that's, I think the root cause of where all of this, uh, vitriol comes from is it starts out with this is not for women you're not about this life you're not supposed to be in this world and then when you are especially when you become successful at it you know there's a level of feeling threatened of, of you know this woman is coming into my turf you know and and we want to get her out whoever we can let's not just debate with her let's attack her let's you know scare right. her out of this space and so I think the two things are, you know, obviously very, very much connected in that way. It's, it's really interesting that there's still that view by coaches and players. I think too often in sports, we forget that it just it, it is just a form of entertainment and you don't have to have starred in an Academy Award winning film to review it. But people right. have a totally different right. view on sports and it's it's uh, really antiquated. It's weird. Yeah. Well, luckily, Andrea, um, I played 15 years for the Bears, so I can speak. Of, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm like <laughs> five ten and, and weigh 185 and can't run. But you know, we we thank you very much for coming to the show. I, I I think this just underscores that every situation is different, and I think a lot of people on the outside. Um, one of the reasons we're doing this is because we're confused. We don't know how to respond as fans as as, right. as part of the civil sector. I think a lot of guys either want to come in and swoop in and fix it, and then they maybe, like you said, either cause problems or just spouting their own nonsense and, you know, shouting into the chorus or they just retreat. So hopefully at least as an initial step, we just keep the dialogue going. And I think there's just, you know, you guys are doing a great job. I mean, we love your writing. We love your work. And we just really appreciate you coming on and taking time to talk about this, uh, knowing there's not going to be, it's not something we're going to fix in 15 minutes, um, you know, on the phone, but it's something that we should continue to talk about and look for complicated solutions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if, if it could be a 15 minute solution, I would hope that we came to that solution like five years ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, this podcast is going to be what, probably 50 minutes. That'll be the <laughs> yeah, solution. there we go. So yeah. maybe, 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 uh, you know, in the 15 minutes from now, we'll, we'll have it all. We'll have it all. Taken. So we'll text you. So, um, no, well, Andrea, we'll have it all solved. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, thank you so much. And, um, uh, we really appreciate it. And, uh, we will look forward to following you, uh, covering the rest of the off season. Of course, and thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Today's show is sponsored by The Weatherneck. We spend a lot of time around athletes and super active people, and two things really stand out to us. They love staying active outdoors all year round, and they need quality equipment to do that. Enter The Weatherneck. The Weatherneck is a modern take on the bandana that's quick, quiet, clean, and comfortable and it's designed specifically for performance outdoors. It features high-tech fabrics and powerful magnets that make it today's outdoor bandana, and it's comfortable. The center mesh section allows for full breath when active outdoors, and the wicking fabrics eliminate the nasty soaking wetness that can bunch up in fleeces. Everyone knows what it's like to put on like a knit scarf, try to be on a bike out in the cold. It's just awful. Your face gets super wet. 
And it's super convenient. It removes in one second with one hand. That's amazingly helpful if you're on the bike, on the run, or just outdoors doing your thing. I know the guys who created this. They are super smart, super passionate, the types of people I would trust. Go to theweatherneck.com for more information or to place an order, theweatherneck.com. All right, that was our show this week. Joe, I'm spent. And it's exhausting just listening to it, and I can't imagine what it's like to be them. So I'm, I, I'm glad this is an undertaking we've done to sort of learn more, but you're right. it's It takes a lot out of you. It's crazy. Um, we're, we're, like I said, off the top, like we're not here to co-op the issue. We're not here to put ourselves in the middle of it. We're just here as people who see it and are wondering why we aren't talking about it more. Um, if this stuff was directed at me or my wife or my daughter, It'd be my entire world being fearful. I, I just applaud the women who are dealing with this for how they're navigating the roads. Um, this was not part of the job description for them, you know, 10 years ago. And now nightly harassment can be a real problem for some of them. So uh, we encourage everyone to go to at Just Not Sports to watch our video, um, share it, use the hashtag more than mean, um, you know, just to kind of show that, you know, hey, in a, in a culture of funny, mean tweets, some of this stuff is not mean. It's, you know, more than mean. Uh, we encourage you to, if you want to learn more, go to justnotsports.com. Uh, check out Julie DeCaro's podcast. Check out Sarah Spain's radio show on ESPN on the weekends. Uh, go read Andrea's writing, Sports on Earth. These guys are great, talented reporters. Um, we want them to be able to practice their craft and not have to deal with this garbage. And we hope that uh, someday soon that will be the case, or at least it'll be a lot better than it is right now. Joe, anything to add? Any shout outs this week? Um, I'd just give a shout out to, uh, to the women who joined us, who, who are willing to, to sit with us and, um, and risk, you know, risk uh, further, further exposure to, uh, to trolls and, and to those who want to attack them possibly over, their interviews with us. Um, it just, it takes a certain kind of person to be willing to deal with that every day. And I, I commend them for, for, for putting up with it. So right. Shout out to um, our, our awesome guests on, uh, on this week's episode. Absolutely. Uh, shout out to one tree forest films in Chicago, director, Chad Cooper, one of the most talented visual storytellers I've ever worked with, um, has volunteered to do the video and did a great job. Um, uh, Colin, Chris from his team uh, were absolutely fantastic to work with. Those guys put in a lot of hard work, a lot of hours on weekends, not for a lot of money, <laughs> uh, to um, to help tell this story. And definitely want to give a shout out to Julie, Sarah, Andrea, everybody who interacted with us, uh, all the other women that we approached to do this, uh, who either uh, showed us support behind the scenes or uh, retweeted the video. And, um, you know, We'll eschew our, our regular other shout outs this week and just tell people, um, you know, keep, uh, keep following these great reporters and, um, and, uh, for those facing online harassment, like I hope it doesn't get you down. Let's, uh, just keep plowing through it.